Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Today our text is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, and they say, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul tells us that this is a gospel message, that people need to realize that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, died for our sins on a cross. He was buried and rose on the third day, and he's alive according to the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are true and without error. And so we can rely upon them. So those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're the ones who have faith. Those are the ones who are saved. Those are the ones who have a eternity in the presence of Christ. Those who do not have Christ, the Bible calls sinners. And they need grace. They need to be saved. They need to come into relationship with Christ. I pray that all of us that are listening to this broadcast today will have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. Good day. We want to announce that we have a new president at Mission Go. His name is Dennis Campbell. Mission Go is the organization that continues the gospel outreach and legacy of Canada National Bible Hour. We pledge to uphold the solid biblical standards and gospel message that have always been at the core of these broadcasts. During June, we would like to take this first month to focus on our role as an agency and a communicator of the gospel. Providing the good news and honest truths of the Bible is critical to educating, forming, and evangelizing each generation. We continue to use the foundations created through Canada's National Bible Hour to broaden our global outreach to use the airways to share the gospel's truth. When you support Canadian National Bible Hour, you are supporting the weekly broadcast, but you are also supporting continuing sharing of these messages around the globe and online on 24-hour networks. As a sending mission organization, we are guided by principles that reflect our beliefs, values, and mission. One. The principle of evangelism, we are focused on sharing our faith with others worldwide. This principle emphasizes the importance of spreading the gospel and making disciples of all nations. 2. The principle of service, prioritize service to others, especially those marginalized, oppressed, or in need. 
This principle emphasizes the importance of demonstrating God's love through acts of compassion and care. 3. The principle of cultural sensitivity. Since Mission Go often works in cross-cultural contexts, we need to be respectful and sensitive to the cultures, customs, and traditions of the people they are serving. This principle emphasizes learning about and adapting to the local culture. 4. The principle of partnership. We, as an organization, often work in partnership with local churches, organizations, and individuals in their serving areas. This principle emphasizes building relationships and working collaboratively to achieve common goals. Regardless of the approach, establishing locations overseas typically involves careful planning, research, and preparation to ensure that the organization's mission and principles are effectively carried out in the new context and, most critical many prayers. As individual and church supporters fund Mission Go missionaries, this is critical to establishing a ministry site when sending individuals from North America overseas. Here are a few reasons why. 1. Local understanding. A faith-supported missionary willing to immerse themselves in a local culture and learn the language can bring understanding and sensitivity to the new context that might not be possible for someone outside the region. This can be key to building trust and relationships with the local community, often a critical first step in establishing a successful ministry site. 2. Flexibility. A faith-funded missionary may have more flexibility regarding their schedule, resources, and approach than someone from a larger organization. This can allow them to adapt more quickly to the local context and respond to the specific needs and challenges they encounter. Also, the Holy Spirit has led individuals to support those who have a calling on their lives to be the Lord's servants. 3. Stewardship. By funding themselves, a faith-based funded missionary can help to reduce the financial burden on the sending organization or local church. This can make it more feasible to establish a ministry site in a new location where resources may be limited. Of course, sending a faith-based supported missionary overseas can also present its own set of challenges. It can be a complex and demanding role, requiring the individual to be self-motivated, adaptable, and resilient. It's essential to carefully consider the individual's gifts, skills, and experience before sending them out and to provide them with appropriate training and support to help them succeed in their mission. This month of June, Canada National Bible Hour and Mission Go will focus on our Christian child education. One Bible verse that speaks about bringing up the next generation is found in Proverbs 22:6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. This verse emphasizes the importance of teaching children and guiding them in the right direction so that they will grow up to be responsible and moral adults. It suggests that the foundation laid in childhood will have a lasting impact on a person's life. This is why so many of our ministries are educating children. There may be some overlap in the reasons to support children in third world countries from a Christian and secular perspective, but there are also some key differences. 1. Worldview. Christians view the world through a spiritual lens, believing in the existence of God and the importance of following biblical teachings. Secular perspectives, on the other hand, do not necessarily include a belief in God or a religious framework. 2. Motivation. Christians are often motivated by a sense of calling or duty to help those in need, based on their faith and biblical teachings. Secular perspectives may be motivated by empathy, compassion, or a desire to promote human rights and social justice. 3. Focus on spiritual transformation. For Christians, supporting children in third world countries is about meeting their physical needs and sharing the gospel message, and leading them to faith in Christ. Secular perspectives may focus more on meeting immediate needs like food, shelter, and health care. 4. Approach to development. Christian approaches often emphasize the importance of community involvement, local leadership, and sustainable solutions. 
Secular approaches may emphasize technical expertise, data-driven solutions, and international partnerships. While Christian and secular perspectives may recognize the importance of supporting children in third-world countries, they may differ in their motivations, goals, and approaches to development. We challenge you to consider giving to childcare ministries through Mission Go in third-world countries. Your support can make a significant difference in the lives of vulnerable children and communities in need. Your donation can provide access to healthcare, education, and basic needs like food, shelter, and clean water. It will also support Christian organizations working to share the gospel message and transform lives. Giving to third world countries helps to break the cycle of poverty and promote economic development, leading to lasting change and sustainable solutions. Your support can make a tangible difference in the lives of those in need and help create a brighter future for children and communities. Please prayerfully consider how you can support childcare at Mission Go in the countries we have missionaries. Whether through financial donations, volunteering, or advocacy, your involvement can make a meaningful impact and help to bring hope and healing to those in need. For more information about career and short-term opportunities with Mission Go, visit missiongo.org or call toll-free at can 483 5787 or US 1-888-900-5048. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are aware, this is a listener-supported program, and of course we cannot continue to be on the air without your prayers and your support. This month we're offering a, a pamphlet by Dr. Fred Hartman uh, entitled, For My Namesake. God makes an unconditional covenant with Abraham. He makes promises to the children of Israel that he would be their people, that that his descendants would be blessed forever. And so that prophecy is still in effect today because it was unconditional. God, God ratified that covenant without man or Abraham or anyone else agreeing to it that the descendants of Abraham would be blessed. And you can see that throughout the years. Uh, when the nation sinned, of course, then they came under God's discipline, just like when we sin, we come under God's discipline. But he never rejected totally the nation Israel. Even in today, we have the nation coming back to Israel. They have their own land again. Uh, Jews from all over the world are gathering there, and we see the end-time prophecies uh, becoming a real thing. And so all the prophecies up at this point have, have pretty much been fulfilled as the Jews come back into the land. And the greatest uh, promise that's in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 is the fact that one day that all the Jews will be saved. And that'll be a great thing right at the end of the world when God destroys everything. And so these things are in process, but it also has a, a personal application for you and for, for me. God makes promises to us in his word. And those promises are true. And if we continue to live by those promises that God will continue to work in our lives and draw us closer to ourselves as we live holy lives. One of the promises he makes, he'll never leave us or forsake us. The other promise is that he will help us to grow in grace as we study the Word of God. And uh, other promises are that uh, we will see fruit for our labor as we're faithful to him. There are all sorts of things that God has given to us, and we need to claim those promises and live by them. And this pamphlet will draw you closer to God and it will help you to live the Christian life. You can get your copy of this pamphlet. It's called For My Name's Sake through writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, 
Buffalo, New York, 14231. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning. In our series of talks on the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, we come today to one of the most stupendous revelations in the inspired scriptures. I refer to the fact that someday the Lord Jesus Christ will appear in the clouds of heaven, and in the twinkling of an eye, remove from this earth everyone who has received him as their Savior. I'm not talking about abstract religious symbolism, but about a literal coming event that will profoundly affect every person on this earth. Let me read from 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, the exact words the Holy Spirit moved the Apostle Paul to write concerning that great event to come. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Three things make the event here foretold one of the most important and significant revelations of the faith once delivered. The first is its nature. Think of it. Christ himself will appear in the clouds and remove from this earth instantaneously millions of men and women, boys and girls, including all those who have died trusting in Christ, who will be resurrected and caught up together with the living believers to meet the Lord in the air and return to heaven with him. Can you imagine a more stupendous event? Secondly, it's nearness. The appearing of Christ to remove his church is the next great prophetic event scheduled to take place. It may happen at any time. Thirdly, the consequences of the event underscore its magnitude. For every spiritually reborn child of God, it will mean their home going without tasting death. To be with Christ and with their resurrected loved ones who died trusting in him. What an hour that will be. For the unbelieving world, it will mean the instant end of this age of God's grace that already has lasted nearly 2,000 years. It will mean being left behind in a godless world in which the satanic antichrist will then emerge, no longer restrained by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the people of God. That will usher in the time of which Christ said, Then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Frequently, even among Christians, what the Bible teaches about Christ's appearing for his church is confused with what it foretells about his ultimate second coming to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. The two events are distinct and separate, and the points of distinction are clearly discernible in the scriptures. In the first place, Different terms are used for the two events. The term appear or appearing is used when the reference is to Christ appearing in the clouds to remove his church, as in Colossians 3, 4, 1 Peter 5, 4, 1 John 3, 2, 2 Timothy 4, 8, and Titus 2, 13. The term coming is used when the reference is to Christ coming to earth to set up his millennial kingdom, 
as in Matthew 16, 28, 24, 27, Mark 13, 26, and Luke 21, 27. Secondly, the nature of the two events is distinctly different. When Christ appears for his church, he comes only as far as the clouds, and the saints will be caught up to meet him in the air. At Christ's coming to establish his millennial kingdom, he will come all the way to earth. Zechariah 14:4 says, His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. It is significant that when Christ returns, he will touch down at the exact spot on the Mount of Olives from which he ascended to heaven after his resurrection nearly 2,000 years ago. Christ's appearing in the clouds to remove his church will be without warning and invisible to the unbelieving world. They will be aware of it only because of the instantaneous disappearance of the millions of Christian people. When Christ comes the second time, Luke 21, 25 to 27 says, There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Matthew 24:27 adds, As the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Another distinction is the fact that Christ appears for his saints, whereas when he comes, he will come with his saints. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He appears to remove his church from the earth before the godless Antichrist emerges on the world scene. Then later he comes with his saints, to destroy the Antichrist at the great battle of Armageddon as described in Revelation 19, 11 to 21. There are those who preach and teach that the church will remain on earth and go through what the Bible speaks of as the time of great tribulation, precipitated by the Antichrist when he becomes the supreme head of a holy materialistic and militaristic world government for which many influences are preparing the way today. It is important, therefore, that Christians especially know precisely what the Scriptures say on this important matter. One of the clearest passages is 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-12. The Apostle Paul there says, verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Notice his reference to the two events. First, to Christ's second coming, and secondly, to the time of our gathering together unto him, that is, the translation of the church at Christ's appearing. His appeal in verse 2 is that they be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, the day of Christ is a Bible term referring to Christ's second coming. Paul goes on in verse 3, 
that day, that is the day of Christ's coming, shall not come until a number of things have taken place. He then enumerates them in reverse order. That is, he traces them back from Christ's second coming. That day of Christ's second coming, he says, will be preceded by a time of falling away. That is, a time of great apostasy. The time of apostasy will be preceded by the revelation of the Antichrist, whom Paul refers to as the son of perdition and describes in verse 4. In verse 6, he explains that something is preventing the Antichrist emerging on the world scene. In verse 7, he uses the words let and letteth, words which when our Bible was translated into English meant hinder or hindereth. Where Paul speaking today, he would say, He who now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then, verse 8 says, Shall that wicked, or wicked one, the Antichrist, be revealed? The reference to someone hindering the revelation of the Antichrist is clearly a reference to the divine person of the Holy Spirit, whose role in and through the Church of Christ is to reprove the world of sin and hold iniquity in check until Christ completes the formation of his body, the church, and removes it from this earth. As long as the Holy Spirit and the Church of Christ remain in this world, they will hinder and withhold the Antichrist from emerging on the world scene. When at Christ's appearing, he removes both his church and the Holy Spirit. Their restraining influence will be gone. Then, Paul says, will that wicked one, the Antichrist, be revealed. His emergence will trigger a wave of universal apostasy, the time of falling away, that will precede Christ's return with his saints to end the Antichrist tyranny at Armageddon and establish the kingdom of heaven on this earth. It is clear from this that Christ will remove his church and the Holy Spirit before the Antichrist is revealed and the time of great tribulation begins. Verse 10 says, The Antichrist then will work with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perished, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. It further says that for this cause, that is, because they rejected the truth of the gospel, God will permit them to believe the lies of the Antichrist that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Certainly this underscores how terribly dangerous it is to reject the truth of the gospel. No, the church of Christ will not be here when the Antichrist imposes his godless dictatorship on men and nations, mistakenly persuaded that a world government headed by a super world leader is the road to a secure and peaceful tomorrow rather than allegiance to the Christ of God. The Apostle Paul further confirms the prior removal of the Christ church when he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we close, let us examine precisely what the Scriptures say will take place when Christ appears to remove his church. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, we read, Behold, I show you a mystery. We, that is Christians, shall not all sleep, that is die physically, but we shall all be changed 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The passage we read from 1 Thessalonians 4, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice the sequence. The Lord himself will descend to the clouds of heaven with a shout, echoed by the voice of an archangel. The trumpet of God will sound twice. At the first trump, the dead in Christ will come forth from their graves. The trumpet will then sound again, and at the last trump, all living believers in Christ, together with the resurrected saints, will be changed, that is, will be given glorified resurrection bodies, and together will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Such will be the translation, or as it is fittingly called, the rapture of the church. It is also referred to in Scripture as the blessed hope. Paul says in Titus 2, 11 to 13, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Specifically, the blessed hope is the hope of acquiring a glorified resurrection body and entering heaven without having to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. The hymn writer expressed it in these words, What joy, what delight should we go without dying, no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, and no crying, caught up in the clouds in a moment of glory when Jesus receives his own. Adding to the joy and rapture of our translation will be our reunion with Christian loved ones and friends who have preceded us to glory. What a day of reunions that will be. No wonder the blessed hope and full assurance that Christ will someday translate his redeemed saints from this earth to be forever with him is one of the greatest and most glorious truths revealed in the faith once delivered unto the saints. My listening friend, what does all this mean to you? Are you ready if Christ appeared for his church today? No greater calamity could ever overtake you than to be left behind when he removes his church from this earth. Will you be taken? Or will you be left? It depends entirely on whether or not you have believed and obeyed the gospel and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. If you have never done so before, and in the light of all that is at stake, and of the nearness of Christ appearing to remove his church, I plead with you to open your heart and life to him now and receive him as your Savior before it is forever too late. What say you? May God help. I trust that the message you just heard is a real blessing to you and you can apply maybe some of the biblical truths that you heard today. We also have a great community, those who tune in who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and you need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, exercise faith, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The Holy Spirit indwells you and uh, changes. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's a promise in the Word of God if you will have genuine faith and believe in the Lord Jesus. And I trust that you will make that prayer and ask him to come into your life today. You can also order your copy, For My Name's Sake, the pamphlet by Dr. Fred Hartman, by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also get past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website, which is www.missiongo.org. Also, uh, you can get uh, other messages uh, on our internet radio station, which is 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And that's at MGO Radio. We're so thankful for your prayers and we're so thankful for your support. And we trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this next week.